Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with 49 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. I said, I said it all right. At one point or another. It's for real. It's for real. Yeah. And we live it too. We live it and we have a guest here who lives it too. And he's a great performer, so you'd never know what he lived, but we'll expose it today. Yeah. And we have a very special guest and a very good friend of ours, Randy Mayfield. And uh, all the way, from, I want to say from St. Louis, but he's actually from Iraq, Afghanistan. Where else do you... you Ukraine. Kenya, Ukraine. Right. Wherever there's trouble, yeah. that's where he goes. I look for trouble. Yeah. And he's one of these, like me, he doesn't run from the problems, he engages with them, and he's right there on the front lines. He's had a whole life of that. Um, whole career of it. He's an amazing guy, and we love him. And he brings a lot of he brings a lot of goodness to a lot of people under tremendous duress and stress. And uh, he's a man after my own heart. Anyway, uh, Randy has a bio that's probably ten pages long. We're not going to read all ten pages to you, but you should know a little bit about him. And then he's going to. Uh, by the way, he is a singer, and his range of singing goes from opera to country western. He's a writer. Um, he's a great performer, and that's just what he does on the surface. Um, how he uses it, though, is to help others, and uh, he does a great job of it in some very serious situations. Um, we're so glad to have him here today. Yes. We really are. This is special. This is a... Yeah, this is special, because yeah. he is a caregiver of um, immense proportions. And we'll hear um, about that today. Yeah, he really is. But anyway... Um, Jenny is going to read you some of his bio. It'll only take about a half an hour. No, I, I will speed read slightly because okay. I could go on and on. Yeah, but I think it'd be a good idea to read some. Yeah, let's let's do a little here. Mm -hmm. So Randy, uh, Randy Mayfield is an accomplished singer and songwriter who's traveled extensively both in the U.S. and internationally to over 90 countries. He's also a pastor, a missionary, a husband, a father, and a grandfather. Randy's performed in many venues in his hometown of St. Louis, as well as in Nashville's Grand Old Opry and the Bluebird Cafe. Randy's played concert halls all over Great Britain, Europe, and the former Soviet Union. He's also performed and shared a message in federal and local prisons across the United States. He's appeared on numerous television and radio programs and sung the national anthem at many professional sporting events. Randy has opened concerts for well-known Christian artists, including Stephen Curtis Chapman, Jackie Velasquez, and the Imperials. He's performed with symphony orchestras in Russia, Hungary, England, and Iraq, featuring music from his latest CD, Classic Randy Mayfield. Randy is an ordained minister who owns an honorary degree of Doctor of Divinity from Irpin Seminary in Kiev, Ukraine. Randy and his wife Sharon have two adult children and one beautiful granddaughter. Mm. 
So Randy is the missions and outreach pastor at Central Presbyterian Church in St. Louis, where he served for over 40 years. He leads a number of mission trips and preaches around the world each year. He serves on numerous boards of faith-based ministries and is a chaplain for his local police department. He leads chapel services for the St. Louis Cardinals and the Rams. And his music is available on cdbaby.com, iTunes, Amazon, and other music outlets. Wow. How did yeah, I do? That's impressive. I wish I knew that guy. Well, you know, I was going to say, I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> this guy? Wow, that is this impressive. Guy? <laughs> and you know what? His music is really good because I have a, a Z06 Corvette with a modified exhaust that are really loud. And I play his classical music, and it's louder than my exhaust. There we go. And it keeps me, it, it's great music, and uh, I love his classical the best, personally. I do, too. And if you know anything about Andrea Bocelli, he sounds very much like him. Yes. And it's hard to tell the difference, really. Well, thank you. That's a great yeah, compliment. You're welcome. But I asked him to do me a favor today before we get going. One of my favorite songs is Hallelujah, uh, originally written and sung by Leonard Cohn. And uh, I heard him sing it yesterday, and it just... I just loved it. And he, he graciously was willing to do it for the show today uh, before we get going. So we'll start in what we call funneling. We'll start with it, keep it light, and we'll get down to the other stuff. You know, we'll go, we'll go gradually. We'll get there. But anyway, I think you're going to love this, and he's ready to perform. The minute you put a microphone in front of him anyway, yeah, I'm ready. he starts performing. Yes. So um, he's ready. And we're gonna, you're going to love this. It's a beautiful song, and he sings it so beautifully. Yeah, we're only going to do a few of the verses. I think it has about 40 verses till it. We'll whatever, do you, whatever you say. I heard there was a secret chord that David played, and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? Well, it goes like this. The fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, and the major lift, the baffled king composing hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Well, your faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. Her beauty in the moonlight overthrew you. Well, she tied you to her kitchen chair. She broke your throne. She cut your hair. And from your lips, she drew the hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, there was a time when you let me know what's really going on below, but now you never show that to me, do you? I remember when I moved in you, the Holy Ghost was moving too, and every breath we drew was hallelujah, 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 
Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Now I got goosebumps. <laughs> yes. Hey, I just realized Leonard Cohen had um, Samson and Delilah mixed up with David and Bathsheba. Yeah, he kind of combined. Uh, he did. He combined a couple of the them. Bible stories, David with Samson. That's yeah. the first time I heard that in that yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah. People have said, okay, so he's got the the girl bathing on the roof, and her beauty overthrew him. That's obviously David. And then she broke your throne. She cut your hair. That's Samson. Samson. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've heard so many word changes in this. Yes. There are so many different verses. They yeah. actually have it like a, a Christmas version. They have a, I mean, you just go online and there's numerous versions. I, I love the Rufus Wainwright. He did one of the original ones that went on radio after Cohen wrote it. And Rufus is an amazing Beautiful. singer. I also heard a Catholic priest in Ireland do it at a wedding. A wedding. Very staid, very conventional, classic Catholic priest at a wedding. And he did it. Yeah. And the and the whole congregation, including the bride and groom, were in shock. And he sang it so beautifully that beautiful. he's a, he's a, become a celebrity. Yeah, yes. I think it's awesome. He did a beautiful job. Yeah. And and I I think they looked at him like, and at one point he looked up and his eyes went up and surprise, huh? Yeah. They yeah. never expected. Well, that. you know, I do a lot of weddings as a pastor, <laughs> and, and as a pastor or priest, they're not used to the person singing. And I'll I'll sing like you know. A big song, the prayer or the Lord's yeah. prayer, what he's been, and they're thinking, was that the same guy? Who was <laughs> because they don't expect, you know, a lot of the priests chant and do things and the things. And yeah, they're not necessarily great singers, but this he, guy he, was. Yeah, no, he was, I actually saw that on YouTube. It yeah, was, it was fantastic. He did yeah. great. He like customized it for them. It he awesome. did. He, he did, did a beautiful job, and you just did it for us. And thank you. Well, yes. I really yes. appreciate it. I miss and... my band every time I just play my little guitar and sing. Oh, you did beautifully. Thank you so much. Thanks. That was a gift. Yes. I love music, and when Randy comes to town, Peter's lifted up for a little while, and uh, and we're so grateful to have him as a guest today. Uh, Randy's not just a wonderful singer and songwriter. Um, he's also a man who's spent his career, wherever the action is, wherever there is trauma, wherever there's been upheaval and cruelty and war, Randy's right there. And this is not a man who runs away. This is a man who runs to wherever the distress is. And, of course, he's from listening to me previously. <laughs> he's a man after my own heart, and uh, I'm, I really love it. But he's really spent a lot of time in some incredibly horrible situations, um, and he's brought sweetness to very difficult refugee camps. He's entertained troops in, the, in, uh, in Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, where else? Are you? Ukraine. Ukraine. I'm going yeah. to be back there next month. Yeah, and they've got some major issues. We're going to try to yeah. go down the military there. Yeah. On the See, I look at him and he was smiling, and all of a sudden we mentioned that, and his brow got heavy. Yeah. And it, yeah. It's a heavy. It so is. this is a man who can really shift gears um, and do some very, very important things uh, to help folks going through horrible times who have been traumatized by horrible things that most people in, couldn't even imagine. Unless you've been on the front lines with uh, with the military, like we've dealt with them many times in the nonprofit, but Randy goes out there voluntarily. He's part. He's a mission a missionary. Um, I have a number of missionary friends that have very different backgrounds, such as mine, and they are also like that. 
wherever the action is, they're there to 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 help. I say I'm a musicianary. A what? A musicianary. Okay. Because I always take my music with me, and even the troops, they really love just hearing some of the pop songs from America. Oh, I bet. Christmas songs when we were at Christmas, and it does give them a moment of peace. Absolutely, you know, I nice. I agree, and um, I could see why. It really is. It's a, but you know, you listen to Randy, and he sounds like he's a strict, just a performer in front of a microphone. Well, I got news for you, folks. He's much more, w- much more than that. And he is. We were. We had lunch. I wanted to make sure we could kind of channel some of his experience. Yes. And uh, and kind of focus it, and just to listen to some of the things that he has experienced, the people that he's comforted and come alongside uh, in some of these refugee camps, and what they've been through with with these terrorist organizations like ISIS and Randy's been right there um, and uh, very dangerous kind of missions that he, he engages with, but he's right there to help the folks under tremendous evil persecution. We um, wanna... And we'd like to find out, I'd like him to talk a little bit today um, about uh, some of the things that he's experienced. Now folks, I'll tell you what, he's got such a broad range of experiences. They're all, you know, we've talked about frontline workers, caregivers, and they're on the front lines where most people would rather not be. Uh, it's it's a part of life. It's a condition of life. But let's be honest, most of us would rather run the other way. And there's those folks that don't. We've talked about many caregivers, particularly from other cultures like Fiji and Haiti. They don't run away. It's part of their life. Um, we've talked about the kinds of folks that face adversity and difficulty and don't run the other way but engage it and work through it and hang in there with it and and, uh, you know the kind of person that can come out of that they can either be bitter and hateful and very self-destructive or they can come out incredibly hopeful and appreciative of life and even the little things mean so much because they've seen so much devastation well I think Randy's on a grander scale, to be honest with you, the kind of things that he's seen. And he's going to share some of those with us today. We're going to rely on Jenny to rein it in sometimes because he's got a broad <laughs> and here range. I come. Here I come. I'm going to rein it in. Yeah. I'm okay. going to say, and we will be back. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And if you missed the first segment of our podcast, you missed something very special because our special guest, Randy Mayfield, sang Hallelujah, and we got to know a little bit about his work and what he's been doing. And we want to return now to hear some of the some of the very uh, challenging, hard work that Randy has done around the world to reach out very effectively to help people in need. Okay, before he does, I want to say this to the folks, the listeners today. The United States has had, in the last two weeks, some incredible, horrible, evil things happen to some innocent people. And um, I think all of us have been deeply touched by uh, the ugliness and the heartbreak that's happened in Gilroy, California, Dayton, Ohio, El Paso, Texas. And that... uh, there are actually acts of 
evil terror. There's no question. Innocent yes. people are being murdered, and their loved ones are losing. Yeah, you know, they're losing their loved ones. It's just shocking. And all of us have been touched lately by how we don't just have one of these events. They're coming up more and more, and uh, we're, it's terrorism at its at its worst. Well, that's the world that Randy goes to and helps. He goes to the folks that have lived through such horrible evil terror that's what we want to hear from today and i think we'll be able to i think you'll be able to relate to it a little bit more now that after we were all being touched by such horror going on yeah and gilroy's what 80 miles from here uh, and, and that was a nightmare two weeks ago and then we see these other things it's it's as ugly as it comes and it's as heartbreaking as can be but i'd like let to like to kind of hear from randy um on some of his experiences and i think that one of them that he mentioned at lunch uh, He's been serving the last 10 years, correct me if I'm wrong, in a, a part of Kurdistan. Yeah, northern Iraq, yeah. Working with refugees mm-hmm. and the effect of the ISIS occupation mm-hmm. on the populations there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, 10 years ago when they were really in the heart of all what was going on. Thankfully, in the last two years, we've been helping rebuild and, and work with people that have been traumatized. But in the first uh, several years... It was tremendous. It was it was Dayton, Ohio, and El Paso every day of their lives. Mm. And you know, we think this tragic shock that we had here in America that we experienced, and it wakes us up. But to be able to go and sit in the tents and in the homes with those people that were impacted, it's as though we were to go to El Paso and go to the homes of someone who was killed mm. and sit down and talk to them mm. and just help them work through what they're doing. That's been the privilege that I've had is to be able to really meet some of those people. And my friend Jamal. He's a Jordanian. He really uh, got the work going in developing relationships with people. There's, we have a training center now that, that a lot of the refugees have come to to be trained to do small jobs, sewing, cutting hair, IT. And when they leave our training center, the ladies leave with a sewing machine. The guys leave with their hair kits Where is and this? IT. This is in Erbil, uh, Iraq, which is northern Iraq oh, and okay. Kurdistan. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the big camps were. Um, so not only were there uh, Muslim, Christian, Yazidi, and Syrian and Iraqi, I mean, it was a real mix of hundreds of thousands of people in these camps. Mm. Jordan has similar, and we've been to the Jordan camps as well. Mm-hmm. They have similar refugee stuff. But to, to, to sit down, and uh, we've seen the stories, we've heard the things, but to sit down and hear these family members, particularly with some of the Yazidi men whose wives were kidnapped, daughters were kidnapped, many of these wives and daughters killed. Um, it, they, they they share it with you as though they almost have blank expressions. It's just they're in a, sh- a state of shock. Sure. And uh, so we, none of us being professional counselors, but people that can offer them hope and love and care for them, bring them tangible things. One of the things we did in the beginning, they had nothing. I mean, uh, UNICEF and some other, you know, um, government agencies, GM, GMOs or whatever, they, but they would bring stuff in. But we kind of centered in on some key people in different places that really needed help. Took them clothes, took them food, took them things. And the same with the, the military who were fighting on the front lines. We would go there and take a truckload of supplies and just love on them. I'd play some music and just let them know that there are people that care about them because they're out there taking the shots. And, I mean, we were there when having lunch one time in a Quonset hut when the shots were going over us. 
And I can't imagine living that day to day. We'd go there for a brief period of time. They, that's what they lived through day to day. So the trauma in all those areas, in homes, in the military, and families, it's ongoing. It's, yeah. it's these huge events daily. And that's what was so, it's hard to relate to. It is it is hard to relate to, but there is a way that most people learn, believe it or not, to adapt during those horror yeah. shows, at least during the time that they have to be in there. The real post-traumatic stress, be honest with you, where it hits is when it's they're away from it. Yeah, and that all of a sudden we've had that ourselves in helping a lot of trauma trauma survivors. That we're frontline people too. It's not during the time that we're there coming alongside them. We're we're pretty good at that. It's the after effects mm -hmm. and how it affects mm -hmm. us. Um, we've talked about on this show, um, you know, I was a psychotherapist and been a, a PhD for, God, 50 years almost. And um, I didn't realize it, but my whole view of life was kind of objectified clinically. And I would see things in a way that was clinical. I thought I was there to help people, and I was, through recover from trauma. Here's one of the things I learned. It's a shell that we can erect to protect ourselves from feeling what's really happening. Mm -hmm. So today, and I, I reassured Randy today, um, he's got more clinical labels to talk about than I do, so I don't let him do that. But honestly, it's when we go through enough trauma, the truth of the matter is you can build very high, strong walls to cut yourself off from the effects of it, or you can become a human being. Mm -hmm. with a lot of heart and soul and compassion and empathy that you never would have had otherwise. It always comes through suffering and pain and struggle, mm -hmm. always. And it strips us down to our very core of who we are. All our protection is gone. Our sense of security is gone. Our sense of control is gone. And then we are left to face ourselves and go, now what? We're exposed. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you come, I know being the strong man that everybody thinks that I am, and, and I am. The truth of the matter is the kind of things that I've gone through um, in work and with my own personal life, uh, I'm so far beyond my own personal capabilities and capacities at this point. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a greater power in this world, beside, in this life, beside mine. And I rely on that. That's my faith, yeah. and that's my, that's my trust. And I've come to that the hard way. I wasn't one of these people that was... Uh, some kind of fervent religious person. I may have been raised that way, but I was certainly not part of that. But it's something personal. And then I realized I got to go on. I, there's something that I'm called to do and engage with these difficulties. But what it puts me through personally is so human and it breaks me over and over again that I come to face myself as I really am, not what I profess to be, not what my degrees are in my clinical training or whatever, but who I really am. And I find my strengths, and I also find my weaknesses. It's at those times, my weaknesses are a time for me to, it's funny, that's where the strength begins to come when I mm -hmm. see it for what it is. My whole life is de is dedicated to that. And interesting, what I'm finding out as I get to know more about Randy, so is his. And he's been on the front lines a long time. A long time. Um, you know, I didn't want to pro. pro probing we'd all get indigestion at lunch but i'm sure this has had a great effect on it. it's tough and we've talked about the effects that this has on our care as caregivers randy's mm -hmm. a caregiver on a yes. grand scale yes but it affects our personal lives it affects our how we sleep our health mm -hmm. all of that and uh, we talk about that a great deal because we want caregivers who are going to be the ones that engage like we do 
um, and are on the front lines to learn how to take care of themselves. Because if you're in this for the long haul, you better know how to take care of yourself because this is the kind of thing that breaks us down. Mm -hmm. Our health goes. We've seen incredible percentages of caregivers not make it. Yeah. Die before the people are yeah. taking care of them. I think it's sixty three percent. Enormous. Wow. So we look at that, and I listen to Randy and go, "Oh my God, look at what he has been through." Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering, now how's this affected his life? He has a beautiful life here. He's got a beautiful, good wife. She's a lovely girl. He's got a family here, um, and he's used to seeing the most incredible tragedies and heartbreak. And when you're like that, and you're a caregiver. It's kind of hard to think of yourself after a while. And it's almost like you begin to, there's a voice in your head that goes, you're being selfish if you think of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that is not the truth. It's a committee. We, we call it a committee. That is not true. Um, but at the same time, it's so human to have that happen. And Randy has seen some incredible tragedies. He's already mentioned, alluded to a few. I'd like to hear a little bit more. And I don't want to leave Randy out of the occasion as a human being. I mean, this no. has definitely affected him. A wonderful performer, a pleasant, engaging, sweet guy. And you know he's human. And he, he goes where the action is. So it's yeah. definitely affected him. Maybe he'll share some of that with us. But anyway, um, tell us a little bit. I'd love to hear more. So you've been in northern Iraq? Is that Yeah, mostly northern Iraq. I mean, we have worked down in Baghdad, but most of the... The refugees and stuff are up north. Do you go with a group, or how do you? How do you uh, do sometimes that? I go with my friend Jamal. It's just the two of us, maybe oh, really? three or four. Not big groups. You don't want to be wandering around with the military and up in Iraq with a, with a big group of people. So there's no protection for you. There... No, we, when we travel up to the borders, we do travel with a military. I I'm not gonna say a convoy, but a couple of couple of armed cars that go up and get us through the. You do. Yeah, especially when things were going on in Mosul, and we go up in there, you had to really be. Careful. And the Kurdish army could only go to the border of Mosul. They couldn't go in because it's Iraq. Uh, and so even though they're northern Iraq, Kurdistan has its own thing. Mm -hmm. So the Iraqi army was trying to really doing all this work for a long time. And uh, it wasn't going well because the Kurds are the ones who, I mean, they make it happen, to be honest, the Peshmerga army. But when the Americans went in in the last few years um, and helped, came alongside the Iraqis, you know, they moved ISIS out. That's all I'm going to say. They didn't eliminate ISIS. They moved them out. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are in Syria now. And other groups pop up. So it's an ongoing conflict and an ongoing trauma. And like you say, when they're in the middle of it, they handle it well. It's coming back. It's stepping out. When we talk to the families who've had experienced the trauma and everything, um, yeah, that's when they're really dealing with, what do I do? You know, I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating. I'm not, I can't relate, you know, because of all this stuff that has happened. And uh, how do they decompress from something like that? You know, uh, we sit down with them and, and, and talk and share a meal. We bring food. We bring stuff to help them. We help them in the training camps. We encourage them uh, with a lot of positive influence. And like I say, we offer them hope with, with work that they yeah. don't have. We offer them hope. Like you say, there's a higher power that they can turn to. Many of them do. And so um, anyway, especially tangibly, hands-on, being there, caring for them, loving them, encouraging them. Just knowing that Jamal and I come in with one or two others in occasion, because of them, they know what it takes for us to get there physically. Yeah. And it's like huge for them. And it's like any caregiver that the fact they show up at the home and they care and they take care of you, that means a lot. The care has to be good as well. And one of the things we talked about at lunch, sometimes uh, we send uh, people that aren't really trained and ready to 
to give care, and mm-hmm. that can cause damage. That does. You're right. We've talked about that too, and we we have been called in a lot more and more because of the show and our. our uh, my wife, we're calling it Lynn's Legacy. We've been called in, and boy, we see caregivers that don't do. If they did a good job, they're burned out, and they, they don't become. They're not good anymore. Yeah. But you know what? I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm listening to what you do. My God, that is dangerous work. But you're, you're bringing something that to me is so important. You're bringing some loving, nourishing energy to people that have been absolutely beaten. It's been beaten out of them because of the life, their experiences. And you're bringing a selfless kind of energy to them, to uplift them, to feed them, to fuel them. Uh, not to just introspect with them and speak philosophically right. or religiously, but to show them that you care and that you help them get through each Absolutely. Day. I mean, I have many, many friends in the military and in the refugee camps. Mm-hmm. They're friends. They're not clients. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know what I mean? We've built relationships. Oh, absolutely. And that's huge, you know. That's the best way to go. That's the only way. As far as I'm concerned at this point, it's it, that's the way. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Uh, Being human, you talk about that a lot. Absolutely. But you know, you got to go through this. Let's take a break uh, there on being human because that is a key. And, and let's return to We're it. We're taking a break on being we human? Got, we got to take what a break. What do we become if not human? <laughs> no, we'll be human when we get back. Oh, okay. okay. All right. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We will be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Uh, Randy Mayfield is our guest, and he has been giving us some of the uh, intense experiences that he has uh, had serving in the refugee camps and on the front lines in Kurdistan in Iraq. We've been talking about Randy as a caregiver and about the uh, effects of the work on him and also on the people that he works with, his team members. And uh, how does how does he decompress? How does he help the people that he goes in to see in the refugee camp recover, decompress? How does he help people in that way? Well, who are you talking about decompressing? Randy and and his friend yeah, Jamal? Well, I, yeah, Everyone. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I would like to. I'm interested in that. I'd like to, if Randy could draw us a picture a little bit of some of the conditions mm. that he sees, I think it would give us a, a different sensitivity and flavor. Yes. And could you tell us a little bit more about what, I know it's yeah. painful to talk no, about. No, no, you know, it's really not because I feel like, again, my purpose is to, to bring hope into that. Um, and I'll, I'll, let me just share a story. This is a typical story. I have so many of these, but where we sit down with people and talk and and they, they open up to share their stories. They're very different than I am culturally and in every way. But they know that we're, they sense that we're there because we care for them. And uh, one of the ladies who came to our training uh, center that we have right by the refugee camps, we, we got a, a little condominium right by the refugee camps where they can walk to because making everything easy. Uh, she was there for the sewing class with about, I'd say, maybe 18 to 20 other women. And we're just sitting in a circle afterwards. We gave them a little graduation certificate. They got their sewing machines. And we're just saying, hey, this has been great. Thanks for coming. And there'll be a lot more things going on. And Anybody want to, you know, just tell us, tell us where, you know, what's going on in your life? And one lady, I would say she's probably, uh, it's hard to tell sometimes. She was in her full hijab, but I think she was 50-ish. 
was telling us a story about her son who was captured by ISIS. And uh, this is where it gets really human. And for me, it's hard to, to talk about. But she shared that her son was captured and he was shot uh, after he was tortured and he was dismembered. And they sent her photos. ISIS sent photos oh, to her home. Oh, my God. And they hung him upside down in the square. And this is her son. And she's telling us this story. Of course, she's weeping. Mm. And what do you do when you're... These are stories that you're hearing. You're hearing from the Yazidis of their daughters who were kidnapped and raped, their wives who were killed. Mm. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Pat them on the back? Say, wow, that's way to hang in there. You know, we, we build a relationship and we try to offer them the hope that we have. And we tangibly help them. Some of them physically needed help in just, you know, things. So you do that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, we have great examples. People who, who, who give, your gift will make a way for you. And, and I always say, you know, the, the fact that we can take something tangible opens the door to this relationship. It's not a bribe, but it's a way to say, we need these people. We don't know them yet, but it gives us the opportunity to get to know them. And then we share, and uh, we do have some counselors, professional, that go. I'm not one of them. I'm the, I'm there to be more of an encouragement, to listen. Listening is so huge. You guys know that. Even in counseling, mm-hmm. listening is huge. And for her to be able to share her story and get it out there where she knew people cared about her and would be thinking of her, that was a little bit of a catharsis for her as well. And another woman didn't share the whole story, but said, I went through a similar thing. Um, a family that I, I've gotten to know well, I've known their little girls for 10 years, mm. from being seven and eight-year-olds to being teenagers. We'd sit at the dinner table with them. The mom would prepare a typical Kurdish meal, and we'd eat and talk, and I've got to know the girls. They call me Uncle Randy, and they share stories of their aunt who was just cut into pieces, thrown in a river by ISIS. This is, t- this is dinner talk. Can you imagine the life that these little girls and this family the impact that, 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 that these kind of things have had on them. How can we even begin to think we're going we're gonna to help these people? Well, I'll tell you something. Listening to some things that are going through my mind that are... We've talked about the caregiving relationship and uh, how many very difficult situations caregivers, and this is on a grand, tragic scale. That's an understatement. But one of the things is the exchange that goes on in just listening or being there um, to love and to yeah. nurture and care for them. And as a caregiver, your energy is that nourishment, that love, that caring. Um, and it's put, it's going out to these yeah. folks. Even, There's a healing in that. There really is. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. One of the things, though, is there is an exchange of energy. Mm-hmm. And even though you're giving it, you're also absorbing some yes. incredible yes. pain and horror nightmarish things that most of us here in, in the United States can't even relate to unless you're military or unless you've been in Gilroy or El Paso yeah, yeah, exactly. or Dayton lately. Um, but you're, you've spent a lifetime with folks like this. I'm listening to that and I'm going, now I know what we absorb and I know the pain and distress. And we talked about catharsis. You mentioned talking about it is absolutely a, mm-hmm. a, a important part. It's We find that that really does help folks that are carrying such horrible burdens. The problem is the burdens we wind up absorbing as caregivers yeah, yeah. and how do we take care of ourselves. Now, I've talked to you personally and you've shared a little bit with me. It's certainly nothing we don't know about, and not about you, but all of ourselves, that when we absorb it, we're human. Mm-hmm. And it affects us. Mm-hmm. It affects our personal lives. It affects our health. It affects our ability to sleep. Um, it affects we become 
backed up with this emotional pain and it can get pretty we call it a toxic kind of Mm buildup it happens to all caregivers the key to me really is okay we know what we have to go through we know the people we help and what they go through it's rough and here i am sitting with randy today listening to this go oh my god this is like a whole different level of this that is so intense and so mind-boggling and these people live through this and he mentioned how they they'll put that there's that veil of they just begin to shut down and numb Mm -hmm. out that's survival Mm -hmm. that that has to happen yes the key really is when they're in the midst of it that's the kind of things we, we our nervous system automatically does and we need it the key really is after it's over the decompression and it has to happen otherwise folks develop some very serious post-traumatic stress to say the least and it carries on it carries through in many things they can reenact it and be very destructive to themselves but also the caregivers listen to what you've been through and i said here we sit with a man who's absolutely a charmer and a delight and i love him and he really shares a lot of very wonderful things and i'm wondering how's this all affected you Mm-hmm. You got a beautiful wife at home. How does it affect her? Yeah, no, it does. I'm sure it does. You know, it. Um, <clears throat> you don't always sit back and, and realize that because I, I almost every month I go out and do something, so it's kind of a part of life, back and forth. The back and forth is difficult. Like I was sharing with you guys at lunch, when you come home, even just little tangible things like when I go to the sink to brush my teeth or drink water, can I do it? Can I drink this water? That's a little thing. But you're so used to this different thing. And then the stories and the people you've met that you know, that you love, I know it has an name. I mean, I don't sleep. I've talked to you about that. I'm, I can say I'm an addict. I'm addicted to Ambien, which is terrible. Mm. I've got to go through. My doctor says I got to go through a, a basic, uh, just like an alcoholic would go through. Well, a it's not like an alcoholic. And, like and it, that, and that was because yeah. we. It started out as I'm traveling into different time zones every few weeks, mm. and I can't get to sleep the first two nights, mm. and then you get addicted to sleeping. But now, even with the meds, it, it's very difficult for me to sleep more than a few hours at night. Mm. And I know that impacts me. It has had an impact on my relationship. Ten years ago, we kind of hit a wall. I know it has uh, um, with my wife, also relationships with others. And I, I did uh, catch some of that and was able to kind of back up a little bit and say, okay, how is this going to – I don't think I did a great job. After 40 years, I am tired and I am older and I'm now pretty out of shape. And I realized, okay, I'm 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 probably going to back off a little bit. My travel schedule next year already mm-hmm. uh, is much less. To my wife's thrill, I mean, I don't know that she wants to have me home more, but she she knows. Um, and you know, you, I have nowhere to come back and kind of decompress. Yeah, I come back and get right back into my job and my work and my family, and there's no one there saying, "How are you feeling? How's it going?" Oh, oh. So I don't even get the the privilege of having what I try to offer to them, somebody to say. Let me listen to you. Let me hear your heart. Let me hear what's going on. Yeah. I don't resent that because I know that God's given me some graces that have allowed me to take that on. He wouldn't have called me to this if he didn't. So, but I'm not a superhuman. No. You know, physically, emotionally, anything else. And so, yeah, that stuff is there. And at times I really do recognize it. Uh, other times I don't. And you, like you say, you just go on. I, I, I am who I am. That's the one good thing, too, is when I'm on the stage, I'm on the stage. But when I'm off the stage... I'm still on the stage. You know, my life is just that way. Well, we my sin. wife will tell you, I'm consistent at home as I am. I'm a knucklehead wherever I am. At least that's consistent. You mean you perform at home too? Well, I, I just mean I, I am. A, I, I tend to have a joy and an exuberance for life that I don't have to make up. You know, like when you get on the stage and you're entertained, you don't have to, you know, 
make it up to do it. That's who I am. So that's probably one grace that I have. Well, it's a release. But it doesn't take care of no, it won't. a lot of those other issues that I don't even know what they are, to be honest. I haven't been to a counselor for this or anything. Well, you know, we don't even call ourselves counselors. We call ourselves consultants and mentors and coaches through life. Yeah. Coaches that specialize in recovering from trauma yeah. and trauma relief. Maybe, you know, maybe God brought you here for a reason and hooked us, hooked us yeah, all up. Yeah. Because this is things that we use this show for every week because you're not alone. Although your experiences are uniquely yes. terrible, yes. Horrible, heartbreaking. The process that you're talking about as a caregiver is very universal. We talked about, well, talking helps. Well, to be honest with you, it's not enough. No. When you absorb that much, it affects you physically. It affects you, your nervous system. It affects how you're tuned. You're more tuned. Yeah. For the adversity of the front lines, like most of the, we but you still do have that. You still have that sense. Who am I to bring up my little mental problems and issues when I'm dealing with people that are getting blown up? You okay. mentioned at lunch. You yeah. mentioned the guilt that you feel yeah. when you come home because you can right. come home and leave it behind. Yeah. Which is uh, which is one of those things that anybody who deals with this and helps people in really rough shape comes out with. It's a guilt. It's a it's a, it's a, it is a form of PTS. I mean, who doesn't go through that? Mm. And it's also a sign that, a wake-up call. It's a, it's a warning flag. When that starts happening, you lost your sense of boundaries. And you're not going to take care of yourself as well because other people become, so, their needs come more, become more important than your own. Yeah, yeah. The problem with caregivers like yourself and myself and Jenny who engage is we can lose sight of ourselves, and that's when trouble can begin to emerge. We call it, um, not emotional fatigue, what do you call it? Um, compassion Compassion fatigue. fatigue. And we see people run into that. You know you run into it. We all have. Listen mm -hmm. to what you go through. But it's what it leads to if you don't deal with it in your body and what it begins to do, and that leads to eventual burnout. The burnout is when you have absolutely lost touch with your own needs, and your relationships and your own health and well-being mm -hmm. because in your mind you're going how can i we can worry about myself or come home to this beautiful home with my beautiful wife and i've just left people that have been exactly. butchered and killed and yeah. murdered and and they can't even they don't have clean water they don't have anything how can i think of myself well the truth is to be in this for the long haul you have to think of yourself mm -hmm. you've been doing this 40 years I, I I don't know what your plan is for life, but I can tell you, I don't know if it's over. I know I'm not, and I'm 10 years oh, no, older than I mean, you. I, I may retire from my current job, but I don't see me ever stopping in, until I can't physically do it. That's okay. And I mean, my wife's aware of that, too. No matter where we end up settling after retirement, I'll be going and doing some things because that's just I agree with you. you are, you know? And, you know, people have said to me, when are you going to retire? I look at them, oh, you're kidding. I said I have more purpose in my life today than I had years yeah, ago, yeah. and I have no intention of retiring. And now you got all the connections. <laughs> you know, you didn't have it for it. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I don't want building on them. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it's human-to-human -human connections, even yeah, in the most high levels of military. I can go, and I have friends that are in command, but it's human-to-human. -human. It's not general yeah. or admiral to, exactly. to doctor. It's, it's different. And that's what I find. Those are long-lasting. I love those because it's made up of a network of people that care. No matter what they are, what their ranks are, or what their position in life is, they care as much as I do. And we all, I can pick up a phone, I haven't talked to an admiral in three years, and they hear it's me, and they say, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And I can lay it out, and they're going to do whatever they can. Same thing back to me. 
and we've done it for each other. Um, again, it's it's personal. It's not system. It's not part of the system, and I believe that works best. But it's you've been o- listening. I'm going to jump right in. I've been in. listening to what? I, you've been listening to, to the myself. survivors. Yes, <laughs> and and so now I guess you have to listen to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We will be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. I don't really want to summarize everything because I want to leave as much time as possible for Peter and Randy, but we're talking about uh, the cost, uh, personally, of serving people who are in horrific, traumatic situations. And how do we take care of ourselves? How do we even give ourselves permission to take care of ourselves? Oh, I just remember. Okay, so what Randy... Okay, I don't mean to sound clinical. Um, what Randy's talking about is secondary traumatization, mm-hmm. that he's around yes. others that are in trauma, and we and we begin to take it on. We yes. all have that. That's what you're describing. Yeah, absolutely. And then it does affect our health, by the way. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we're finding with caregivers is we get hurt, and uh, our health gets hurt. And I've, I've been in athletics, and I'm an intense uh, adrenaline kind of guy, to say the least. And um, since I've been caregiving for my wife as well as others, I got I got hurt. I very rarely get hurt that lasts more than a couple of days. And I've been I have one tear took a, it took close to a year, and I'm still in trouble with it. And one of the people that was helping me says, she said all caregivers, when they get hurt, it takes much longer to heal, mm-hmm. and they get hurt more. Yes. How many people have come to us asking for help, families, and you listen to how long they've been the caregiver, and they have double hernias, they have tears, they have this, they have that. Jenny got hurt. I got hurt too. Yeah, she yep. she got hurt with my wife. I pushed myself too hard, yeah. and and that is one of the things that caregivers do when they're in compassion fatigue, secondary trauma. Yeah, they, they do. They miss the signals, mm-hmm. which yeah. is why, as Peter says, it's not just something you can think about and talk about. It also is something that lives in your body. Well, one of the things I wanted to share with Brandy, which we have in our work, is that we deal with the body and the nervous system. Once you've been in that hyper-alert situation, like he's in, you have to be on hyper-arousal. It's just the situation, mm-hmm. everything demands it's it. It's life Even and death, he, truly for Randy. This is life absolutely. and death. Absolutely, and he's, he's engaged with it so much. That means his system at this point is stuck probably in hyper-alert, hyper-arousal. The problem is it probably has a difficult time, I'm sure, going into the normal self-regulation where it lets down. Mm-hmm. He uses music, I mean, beautifully. Yes. But I would say at this point it's not enough, even though he does so much of it, and beautifully done, too, I must to say. Thank you. I'm one of his fans. Um, but I also know when it's like that, you've got to be able to discharge what's been imprinted, and he does listen to what the kind of relationship exchanges the environment he has he's even he's just scratching the surface with us well from compared to what he told us told us at lunch of all the situations he's been in and he brings he brings a a love and a joy and a caring and an energy to help these people have some hope in a selfless in a, way in a very selfless way there's a problem the problem is how's he going to take care of himself and get rid of that get back to yes. and that's what I, you know talking I, I just want to say this, what Randy's listening, and we've talked about it before, isn't enough. 
although a lot of organizations that we help are, are involved with, they believe it really is a big help, and it is, but it takes more because your body's absorbed that energy, and then the body begins to break down. You've got to get rid of the traumatic charges in their system so it can go back to self-regulation. Otherwise, you're going to be always in hyper alert. Now, we just heard what Randy lives it works in, right? Yes. Now, he comes home to his lovely wife, his beautiful environment, and he's geared toward battlefield. He's geared to the front lines. You come home, that doesn't just go away. You just don't transition and go, oh, okay, everything's fine now, and I'm just going to have a wonderful life. It doesn't work that way. So it's just like the, the vets that come back with PTSD. We don't even call it disorder, but PTSD after what they've been through. They're looking for snipers in every corner of a building downtown and it's something they actually can take pride in that this is part of who they are and this is the way it's going to be well that you're talking about the navy seal that's the seal yeah they do take pride in that mm-hmm. yeah they're yeah. friends of ours well, you know and, and that you're talking a lot about the physical which is certainly yeah. true yeah but it's i think my whole sleep issues are my mind never stops that's it's spinning it, constantly with that's right. all these things and it's not necessarily i'm visualizing all the trauma no it's just it's visceral yeah it's oh, yeah. just like you know okay and that that's happens really to all oh that's yeah. one of the high that's one of the biggest symptoms i hate to call it that because that sounds clinical but it's true mm-hmm. and i know i don't sleep much anymore with my wife being sick and i'm watching her all night mm-hmm. after working till nine ten at night yeah but and i know i'm tired but i'll be honest with you my system is geared toward watching make sure lynn's okay and if yeah. there's anything going on i'll be up instantly yeah. to take care of her it doesn't make for great sleep no and my body hurts i i do i and that's for sure um i've also learned and i've done this for a long time professionally i will take time personally to have a good cry or let out being an angry guy like i am makes be honest with you some of my grief comes out in intense anger Mm -hmm. not at anybody most of the time thank you but it's there and i don't like it and i have to get rid of that Mm -hmm. um and if i don't it causes I get I scare people, yeah. and I, I don't want to do that. But I look at all of that, and I'm going, you know, this is what happens when people are under some incredible distress. So what do you do? You've got to discharge that, and you've got to dis- decompress. Randy absorbs way more than most people. Yes. And um, it's I, don't get mad at me. I saw him the other day, and I said, he's not taking care of himself. He's letting himself go, and I know why. Look at what he's been doing. I look at his wife, and she looks like she's right out of a magazine. She's so beautiful she's and well lovely, cared for. And lady. Randy's been on the front lines. He's in the battlefield. She's not. And I look at that, and I go, I know this one. I went through this with my wife, too. It's it's hard to come together when um, my orientation has been so intense. And hers hasn't always been like that. And then... We can't relate. We you didn't... come home. You come home and you want to crash, and she's ready to do something because you just got home. Let's go. Let's go out. Let's have some fun. I just want to crash. You know. And I saw that, like you say, physically. Two years ago, I was sixty pounds lighter than I am right I now. I remember. So just you know, sitting around thinking. And, and the other thing, you know, it's it's not just when I'm there. I have made a lot of friends, and with social media today, I have Iraqis, Hungarians, Ukrainians on my website, and I'm texting me mm-hmm. three and four in the morning. I turn my phone off. Because I have to, but but every morning I'm welcomed with, you know, dozens of really needs, requests, you know, come see us again, type stuff. And again, that just kind of 
it's it's hard to get away from that and just chill. Well, with, with the new with social media, it is. But I I get that too. To yeah. be honest with you, and when I get up at three four in the morning, guess what I do? Yeah, I check my. I know. And you know, I look it's at myself ridiculous. and I go, the same thing. "You got to stop." I know it. It's a sickness. But go it's talk, an addiction too. Yeah. yeah, it is. But go talk to how many people who are on the front lines wind up doing that. Yeah, it's so common. The key really is: is that going to break us down? And the answer is yes. You can only you're not we're not equipped to be on a high burn in our adrenal system and our in twenty four seven. And if that's going on, your health is going to suffer. Um, you've got to find some ways to decompress and you've got to begin to let down. I'm listening to what you do and I'm going, wow, I mean, this is amazing. And he's been doing it a long time. Yes. And bringing some, I can attest to how much joy and love and uplifting this man brings. I can also look at how he's tired and he's not taking care of his own life. That's not okay. I feel bad seeing somebody I care about who brings me such joy um and love uh and i go oh no this is we don't need a tragedy here no. how many have we had in the last couple of years few years where we see people that are so filled with giving and loving and caring and they're they're gone and they're then died. they're gone yeah. and we go oh any of the well that's encouraging thanks so much i'm feeling good <laughs> well we're no. all in the same no, boat we're all in the things, same boat you know one of the things i fear i think right now because i'm nearing retirement from my 40 years in one place what am i going to do because i have been i mean that's who i am it's not that i'm a great guy i'm a great i am but i mean it's not that it's not because i'm a great guy that i do what i do that's what i'm called and driven to do that's who i am right so i'm thinking now i'm getting ready to say that's not who i am but it's still going to be me i just won't have the same way to do it so i worry about when i quote retire I do need to slow down okay. for my wife's sake and my family's sake, but how do I do that? Okay, two things you just mentioned. One is you talked about slowing down. Um, I've had so many friends of mine retire, and uh, it doesn't work out well. And um, They I'm, slow down so much you have to bury them, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Boy, yeah he makes a joke, but true? it's the no, truth. No, I mean, seriously. Isn't that true? It's the truth. And I'm, looking at, I'm listening to this, and I'm, one of the things they all, they were very energetic, every one of them, they lost their sense of purpose. Um, and once you lose your sense of purpose, well, things can begin to happen. Mm -hmm. With a guy who's been on the front lines as much as you have, you would need to go to a modification. But for you to give up a sense of purpose, yeah. it would be deadly. Right. No, I agree. Um, and you've been very to take better care of yourself physically, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. To be with your lovely wife more, absolutely, and work out. Yeah. Believe me, you have to rebuild that relationship when you've been away and had oh, these, yeah. Absolutely. You have to. And I, I've talked to her yesterday to you, and I saw she's. She's missing you. Yeah. She she wants you to be better, and she cares. I'll tell you right. one thing: your wife cares about you. No, I know she does. I, yeah, I and know. and that's a you are. So and I care about her, so it's reciprocal. I need to get my act together, so that you know it's worth it. She mm -hmm. she feels better. It's about worth it. it. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, I wish. I you know, I was just looking at a picture of my wife who spent all this time together. She was at my side for forty six years, um, and now she's at the other end of yeah. things. I miss her. Mm -hmm. And then I see you have such a lovely wife. I had that too. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, don't let it go. Yeah. It, because it's a gift. As long as you have it, hang on. It's to it. a gift. Yeah. And these gifts, what we've learned about, we're human. And then there's a condition of life being we're all going to come to an end. Sickness hits, death and dying hits. Appreciate what you got while you got it. Now, you're a man that's been seeing 
the preciousness of life. The key really is decompressing enough to begin to appreciate the little things in life. Jenny's eyes are bugging I out of her head. I have to override. This is my job. What can I say? Well, and we knew that today would fly by. Oh, wow. And it has. No. And we, we must somehow have Randy back. Okay. When do we get this guy back? Well, we'll have to... Twist his arm or something. We, you know, I'm, be I'm back, being silly, I'm sure. but no, we must have what Randy back. What about doing like a remote kind We might of be able to do that. We, we do that? We'll you, talk you, about you that. You can call me up when I'm in Iraq next uh, in December. <laughs> We've had so, friends of ours in the military that do that. Yeah, yeah. And they, when they were freaking out Mosul, they were calling yeah. me at 530 in the morning. Yeah. So thank yeah. you, Randy. Thank you so for much. For coming by. And we are we so glad to have you. you to come back. Thank you. I didn't realize what a real... Whether virtually or in person. Good. We That'd want that. Thank oh, you. I agree. Thank you. Yeah. What? A, uh, there's more of a bond than I realized. Yeah. That is so sweet. Thank you. Thank You've you been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your your host. Uh, if you'd like to know more about our show or Dr. Bernstein, please visit our website at thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.